Hello and welcome to Suds, the new weekly podcast covering all the great news in tech and startups from Startup Daily TV, which you can watch every week on Ausbiz. I'm Simon Thompson. And I'm Elliot Hastie. Simon, great to be here with you finally. We've made it to Suds. It is the Super Bowl, Elliot, of <laughs> podcasting. Here we are, the two of us going head to head to talk about technology and startups, not just here in Australia, but around the world in our brand new weekly podcast. Now, speaking of Super Bowl, Simon, did you watch it? I mean, I watched the halftime entertainment. I believe that there was a footy match either side of it. Yeah, as I sort of... The thing about Super Bowl is like, and I love my footy, is it's kind of like chess with helmets. And the fact that it takes three hours to play a game of American football kind of just does my head in. But the really funny part was I was just going into the studio for the show at 2pm every day when uh, the team said, oh, look, you know, 30 seconds to go. I think that the Cincinnati Bengals were up a couple of points. And by the time we'd hooked up and the show was underway, the Rams had won it. So it was, like, absolutely amazing. But the thing that fascinated me in all of that was cryptocurrency ads what Everywhere. did they spend? $100 million was one estimate. <laughs> well, one of the biggest ones would have been, you know, that there was the Larry David one where obviously he's been a big, um, well, he doesn't like crypto, let's put it lightly, and he was going through history of being first innovations going, nah, I don't think it will catch on. And, you know, it was, a, it was quite a clever advert, that one. Yeah, no Matt Damon. That was the, probably the other Matt thing. Matt Damon, of course. Um, but, of course, the, I suppose the one that everyone noticed and was like one of those cheap and just chips ones when you think back to the Apple ad for 1984, which was so epic, Cecil B. DeMille production, absolutely massive. You know, you just stick your QR code bouncing around on the telly and away you go. Apparently the uh, Coinbase site crashed off the back of the number of people that scanned it, which... Is absolutely remarkable. Can you imagine everyone jumping up with their phones and looking at the TV to go to Coinbase? Well, it's it's remarkable, but it's also like, you know, the fact that it crashed, obviously the point was to get everyone to do that. It's like in Australia and, you know, you go on to fill out the census and it crashed and the government goes, we had no idea people would go on and do it when we told them to. <laughs> like, Yep, we've, we've seen a bit of that. Like even the New South Wales government app this week with sort of a little bit of uh, more incentives going out meant the whole thing slowed down and they struggled a little bit. But it's fascinating because cryptocurrency in general is moving in all over the place. We've got crypto uh, exchanges as well as um, others sponsoring footy teams left, right and centre. The NRL has just come out. I saw a Swift X. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it really is coming front and centre. Um, hopefully it's not like firepower. If you remember the days when they used to sponsor a footy team, that was a little pill you supposedly put in your petrol tank and it made your car do all sorts of magic things. <laughs> um, but we'll see how all of this pans out. Um, now, what else caught your eye this week? Well, I was going to say, it's not just, it's, it is just in the ecosystem of crypto, isn't it? And it's not just the, the coins, which obviously everyone likes to, you know, bet on and, you know, um, play with. But it's also that theory of the metaverse. And obviously the biggest player in the game is Zuckerberg. He presented in front of his team this week um, in an all-hands meeting. And just some of the things that he said, like, move fast, build awesome things, live in the future. Like, yes, very generic terms. What does it mean? You know, and obviously investors have already been afraid of what it means. Do you think he was sort of reading an old startup founder book on the weekend and he thought, oh, that looks good, put a yellow highlighter through it? But, you know, the thing that got me was the meta, meta mates, me. Um, you know, which... <laughs> 
<laughs> Which is kind of the old old naval thing of ship, shipmate, self. Um, but that was just kind of like a little bit weird, the whole thing. It's good that he's recalibrating his policies and values. It, they haven't been updated since 2007, so that's a good thing, I guess. Was the internet even around then? It's like a decade late, surely. You, any, anyway, and I guess one of the other big stories was one of the old Facebook investors. Yeah, Peter Thiel, the uh, great New Zealand resident uh, who uh, is, of course, stepping down from the Meta board. But I did love this one. He's chipped supposedly 1.5 million US dollars into a dating app for conservatives. The seed round for what is known as the right stuff. I have to say, with, I did read this and I sent it to my friend. And I was like, this just seems bizarre because, of course, the complaint is, it's particularly more so in America, that conservatives can't get dates because people are frustrated with their actions or, you know, their lack of... You know, there's, there's just frustration building and you see it here in Australia as well between each tribe, either left or right. And I'm just, I, I'm just wrapping my head around it. But surely generally, you know, most elections sit around 45 55%. Surely there's enough of the population, even if you just take the primary vote for whether it's the coalition or for Labor, for you to be able to find someone if you really need to sort of have sex with someone of the same political <laughs> flavour. Well, as we were joking, you know, Peter, he is, he is a gay man as well and there has been a lot of conversation around conservative gays, gays for Trump. There was a whole thing and it's like, why do you actively go against your own interests and maybe he's, he's one of those? Well, he's a very fascinating character, I think, mm. and, you know, hang, can be quite polarising. But I suppose the thing, going back to our guests each week, which is what we're going to talk about on the Suds podcast, one of them that we had was Professor Cathy Albury from Swinburne University, ahead of what was a three-day sex tech hackathon looking into sex tech. And she was sort of telling the story of dating apps are a big thing and a lot of people are not happy with the dating apps as they exist and there's a whole bunch of problems. So it's a space that, you know, as much as there are the bumbles and the grinders and the whatevers. Tinder, come on, the big one. Sorry, mate, it's like (laughs) seriously I have been so off the market for a long time now. I'm just grateful I can remember those ones. But, you know, I mean, have you used any of them? Absolutely. I met my boyfriend on Grindr. Oh, there you go. See, because I've had sort of friends who are kind of like sit there and they have like swipe left, swipe right things and I'm like, wait, what? This is what you do? Honestly, a lot of fun. I I like, I take people that I work with or people that I'm friends with. I'm like, let me just play, just going to swipe for you, like... Wow, so you're you're a digital dating success story. Yeah, seven years. Oh, that's fantastic. How come we've not got you as a testimonial for them? Uh, I, <laughs> I mean, I've just, I've just, you can monetize this. I've just outed myself as using it. I'm just like, wait, I want to keep it a secret. Still? It's, it's gone. <laughs> delete, delete. <laughs> All right, so um, one of the fantastic things about this conversation is she talked about why the hackathon was so important. Have a listen. What we are really thinking about is uh, the proliferation of new apps and new platforms that are being brought into play now because people are dissatisfied with some of the mainstream platforms. So um, lots of niche dating apps being developed because people are not 100% satisfied with the way um, the really popular platforms might Um, match them with others, the ways they do or don't recognise their gender or their sexuality or their relationship style in a meaningful way. Um, Sometimes people are concerned that they don't feel safe or secure using the apps. Um, And uh, there is always a problem of scale with these new um, platforms. Uh, You you know, as anyone um, 
would know it, it takes a lot of backing and a lot of time to, to get a new platform off the ground. So there are people who are already involved in the tech industry who are part of our project, but there are also people who might be the end user of sex tech and want to see, for example, a better dating platform that works better for their relationship style or works better for um, the way they understand their sexuality or gender. Or they might just want, yes, better sex toys or different sex toys or sex toys that don't um, accidentally leak their data we, or, or are not hackable. In fact, um, we know there was a, a an electronic um, a, a Wi-Fi and, and Bluetooth um, connected chastity device recently that was hacked um, and some men had embarrassing times with that. So, I would yeah, say, so, ouch. So- I think that entire interview, like, was really fascinating and she has some great insights. And as we were discussing, there's so many broader implications. You know, people might just look at it as a, oh, saxophone. It's like, no, there's so many broader implications to it as she discussed. Yeah, but how about that last bit? Like, I'm just, well, I made a joke about sort of when we talk about hackathons, we're not talking about hacking it. And then she went into sort of this male chastity device thing and I, you know, you heard my reaction, (laughs) ouch. What about uh, the raises this week? Another big bunch of them. One of them, of course, was Rejig, which raised $15 million. Now, it's a really fascinating uh, workplace skills analysis company that uses AI. And what really got me curious, because I was asking about the use of AI and how it's ethical, the chief data scientist from the company, Dr. Shujia Zhang, spoke to us and just talked about how they use it. Have a listen to this. Rejig unlocks the power from aggregated people data. So what we do is we bring each individual profile in your talent ecosystem up to date with public available data and then enrich the profile further by extracting and inferring skills and capabilities from the data available. So considering individuals' career path and also the rich context around different career paths in your talent ecosystem, we use deep learning to uncover the pattern and enable that magic. So you're using publicly available data to kind of predict what skills you've got, how you're going. It kind of feels a little bit minority report at this point in time, but I'm absolutely fascinated that, Elliot, your skills could be hidden on Instagram, maybe in your Instagram stories, and we don't yet know because Rejig hasn't had a look at it. I kind of love the idea, though, that they're doing. Like, you know, they are, un, you know, they're getting all this magic and I can just imagine, you know, in high school when you're being told you have to decide your career now and you might go, well, I'm not good at the traditional subjects of school, but they can look into your personality and be like, you might be good at this. Well, the fascinating thing is my son is in his last year of high school at this point in time and they do that traditional careers thing. We've all been there, done that. And I don't, has anyone ever got the job that the careers advice <laughs> sort of suggested <laughs> for them? And, and, and he went through the list of things he was given. And I just thought, no, that's actually a national skill shortage list. Um, and obviously they're just trying to funnel you down sort of one of those paths, aged care worker, nurse, whatever, you know, educator. But um, what Rejig is doing with its data analysis, I just think the potential for that, and, and as the AI gets better and starts to predict um, how, how, what skills you have that are hidden, well, it could be a real boost for people as well as the employers to understand how talented the people in your workforce are because often it's a matter of ignoring it. And we all know workers sit around sort of going, no one gets it, no one appreciates me, I'm wasted here. I mean, what a great way to retain workers as well. And isn't that one of the great things about a lot of startups that we talk to, they go, oh, we just keep changing roles because we've got great staff and we want to make sure that we are utilising them. So Rejig has a great place 
you know, it's a startup. It has a great future in startups. Yeah. Now, Elliot, when I say Canberra to you, what do you think? Politicians. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think a lot of people do. And uh, But we had uh, Peter Adamek from the Canberra Innovation Network on the show this week because he runs this annual program where twice a year they give ten dollars to $30,000 to early-stage startups and they've just announced their latest cohort. I think there's about eight or nine in it. One of them that caught my eye uh, actually goes to, belongs to an ex-Brumbies player, Ben Alexander, and he's built an app called Alpha, which is going to help you manage your diet a little bit better. I probably need that one. And then there's another one that's going to help get your kids off their screens and out playing footy and doing stuff like that. Really cool, really diverse group of companies. At the end, though, I thought, you know what, a free kick, mate, what's good about Canberra? I love the wineries down there. Of course, some great institutions uh, in terms of the National uh, Gallery and others, the High Court, who doesn't want to go and visit that place. Um, But here's what he said about why you should go and live and work in Canberra, which when I think about remote work is a real possibility. One of the best cities in the world, of course, uh, one of the most livable cities, um, highly educated people live here and also people with progressive thinking, people who try like to try to do new things. So if you are onto something innovative, if you have a, have a company already and want to access excellent, uh, skilled, uh, highly educated technical workforce infrastructure that spans across Australia's leading um, research and tertiary institutions, if you want to tap into this uh, knowledge and innovation potential, but also to market of people who are affluent and able to experiment with new things. This is the place for you to be. This is the place where you should set up your startup company. This is a place where you should experiment, innovate. And, um, and yeah, call Canberra home. It's a, it's a great place to uh, grow up, to have, uh, to have your children in the education institutions here. And uh, Canberra is really, I'm, I'm sure, punching above its waves, um, weight internationally, uh, you know, in all, all the measures that I mentioned. But it's, a, it's a, such a pleasant place to be. And, uh, yeah, do not believe everything that they say on TV about Canberra uh, on the politics side. This is a city of innovators and knowledge makers and change makers. I think it's that last line, isn't it? This is a city of change makers, innovators and knowledge makers. Now, yes, that could be applied to, you know, the government is change makers, but he's saying, no, there's like real innovation happening in this city. You've just got to look beyond it. He should work for Tourism Canberra. And I'll tell you, the other other great secret is the politicians all go home on the weekend, so you get the place to yourself. It's great. As people I know from Canberra say, they're like, we actually have the least politicians in here. (laughs) They're not actually here that long. (laughs) Speaking of that, though, um, of course, the government has been incredibly supportive across a range of things, and one of them this week was announcing $2 million for the Women in STEM program, which uh, the, the Science and Technology Australia has created the Superstars of STEM program. Now, over the last few years, more than 120 really brilliant women in STEM have been involved in this program. I think some of them blow me away, like, you know, Lisa Harvey-Smith. But we caught up with uh, STA CEO, Mrs Schubert, to talk about the program and what's going on. And I did put her on the spot. I asked her to pick one that really stuck out in all the work they've done. One uh, I might just land on quickly is um, the fabulous Dr. Sarah Pierce, who is a really gifted scientist. Uh, she, um, in the course of her period with the Superstars of STEM program, mentioned that she'd had some career progression. And we said, oh, tell us a bit more about that. 
Well, it turns out that she was appointed uh, as the acting chief scientist for the nation's science and technology agency, the CSIRO, in the course of being a superstar, and then was appointed to head the SKA Observatory, that giant Australian um, co-owned facility uh, that's being built out at Murchison in the desert in WA. It'll be the largest uh, telescope in the world with a whole series of dishes across a vast expanse of desert. That will change the face of Australia's ability to play in the space industry um, picture in coming decades. It'll give us vast capabilities to understand uh, that broader reach beyond our own planet in the universe, but has huge amounts of applications. We use satellites for everything from our comms, you know, using an iPhone, um, to our ability to monitor the progress of where bushfire fronts are coming to risk um, to threaten livelihoods and homes. So um, understanding and having that capability in space will also directly help keep Australians safer in the face of bushfires and other major natural disasters. To name just one example, and Sarah Pierce is working right out on the frontier of building that capability for our country. I love how she, it just shows, considering how many women that she works with, this was the one that stood out. This is the one that's building capabilities for the country, as she mentioned as well. Like, it's got such far-reaching consequences. Well, you know, the other thing is she did precede that comment with uh, there are so many stories and there are incredible women on so many fronts. But, yeah, just when you hear about that and that whole satellite technology and the applications, whether it is bushfires or a range of other things, are pretty wild in terms of the future that we have ahead of us. Now, one of the other futures that we did talk about um, is obviously the future of marketing in terms of honey and honey badger. I know that you really enjoyed this chat, Simon. Oh, yeah. We caught up with uh, Jay from Australian Honey Ventures. They're doing a capital raise on Birchall and we do like to catch up with startups as they are looking to raise cash and get them to tell their stories. One of the things about this, and honey, if you know, is, is referred to as liquid gold. Well, their honey is selling in the Middle East for up to 750 dollars a kilogram wow yeah move over bitcoin i'm getting into getting into honey honey. yeah yeah give me those honey (laughs) nfts i sort of put them on my toast in the morning of course the hilarious part about australian honey ventures and they are doing this campaign is they raised one million dollars in the space of 30 minutes when the campaign kicked off which is a really cracking start they're looking for about three all up and they've got these big global plans for this business but I did ask, how did you end up with Nick Honey Badger Cummins on the team? It was actually the chairman of the company that said to me, what about Nick Cummins? You can't get much more Australian than Nick Cummins um, or Russell Coit. But um, obviously we didn't go Russell Coit. And uh, my first comment was, but he never chose a girl. The Badger didn't choose a girl in 2018. And um, it was actually Stephen that says, oh, that's nothing. Um, look beyond that because there's a lot of synergies for the brand. And I've had people say, how did you get the honey badger to say yes to you? And I said, it's simply trying to understand what drives that other person. I clearly know what's in it for AHV, but trying to understand what's in it for that other person and actually putting a proposition that really floated his boat. And um, we were really chuffed. He gets many, many deals across his desk. And um, we're one of uh, four or five, I think, that he has said yes to. So, um, yeah, it's a match made in heaven. We've got the honey badger on board and looking to do some exciting and potentially controversial marketing campaigns in the next 12 months. I just love that, you know, he, as she, as she said, he gets plenty of opportunities. He chose this one, obviously, it goes with his honey badger name. 
but I'm really intrigued. What are the controversial marketing campaigns of the next year? Well, as I said, we've seen him in his undies on national television, so who knows which way it's going to go with Wasn't, the honey badger up front. Was he the bachelor? I remember there was that bachelor which, like, had a bathtub of mud with the girl and everyone made these really crude jokes around it. Maybe he's going to do that with honey? Oh, uh, well, there you go. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking for them, you know. <laughs> we'll, we'll pass on all of your tips. Look, Elliot, it was a pretty great week. It's always fun doing it with you. We've got so many stories. Of course, if you want to have a look at any of them, you can head to osbiz.com.au, watch the show on Catch Up, 40 minutes of your time. You can duck in and out. We have a little list there of the people who've been on. Um, always worth viewing. But we wanted to make it a little bit easier for all you guys to catch up with some of the stories that caught our eye this week and we'll be back every week from now on every friday this podcast will land in your inbox after an amazing week on ausbiz tv as well so make sure you tune in have a great weekend or we'll catch you next friday